2: Welcome back to How Are You? The Wellbeing Podcast. This week is all about skincare, beauty, self-care. My guest is full of knowledge and wisdom. I was absolutely in awe when I first met her. She's a beauty presenter and journalist with so much experience. Let me introduce you to the amazing Nadine Bagot. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Did I say your surname right? Bagot. Bagot. No,
1: you make it sound like I'm much posher than I am Connie, but I'm like, my dad was from Yorkshire, so it's good old Bagot. It rhymes (laughs) with maggot, which is my nickname at school, Connie.
2: Oh no! (laughs) I said baguette.
1: <laughs> you did. You made me sound like I was far more middle class than like something out of the crown.
2: <laughs> I literally thought you were half French or something.
1: Yes, baguette. <laughs> <laughs> like a gorgeous piece of white bread
2: (laughs) brilliant I have wanted to get you on this podcast for so long when I first met you was at the event and it was all about a collagen drink the knowledge that you have was just like wow amazing you've got so much experience in the beauty industry so I just feel like it needs to be on my podcast because we need to tell all the women listening The do's and don'ts when it comes to beauty products, you know, our brands and products still telling us lies. So, we're going to go through all of this. But just to start off, the most important question I want to ask you is how are you? I'm surprisingly good.
1: And I say that because I say surprisingly because I'm very much used to being a self employed work from home person. So, yes, all the fun has gone out of my life in the sense of, you know what it's like, Connie you know, we we sort of skirt around the edges of the same industry because beauty and wellness and nutrition are often really closely aligned. But actually, even though we go to events that are work, we all have fun at the events and then afterwards we use it as a sort of social platform for meeting people. So I miss all that side of it. But in terms of my working practice, I work from home anyway, so it's not that different, really. So for me, work hasn't changed, but the fun side of work has gone. And that's the only sad thing. I miss my friends and things like that.
2: Are you a foodie? Do you like eating out? Do you miss restaurants? And... Do you know what? It was my boyfriend's birthday
1: a week ago, Monday. And yeah, I mean, obviously, we're all doing a little bit of Deliveroo and stuff like that. I miss the social side of work, of going out rather than the food side of going out. But I did. It was his birthday. We did order Zuma as a Ooh. treat. You know, yeah. Zuma, the Japanese restaurant in Knightsbridge. If you want and you've got the money for special occasions, there are some, a lot of restaurants are struggling now. There are some super high-end delivery and a man came in a car. It was oh, like wow. completely posh and everything it was beautifully <laughs> packaged and everything was recyclable and it was just amazing. So I, I miss my friends more than I miss the food. That says I have put on a COVID stain. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it real, Connie. Keeping that's it real. What I love
2: who hasn't. I just find comfort in food. I'm just one of those people. I'm not someone that when they're feeling low or bored, they like don't eat. You know, some people get anxiety and they can't eat. I'm the opposite. I'm like, oh God, what can I cook tonight that's gonna make me feel so much better? That's just the person I am. So I just find so much joy in food.
1: I've been terrible in lockdown in the sense of not that I've I mean, let's be honest here, putting on a stone in a year is not that difficult to do. It's just that odd treat at the end of the day where you go, I'll just have that mint magnum. Yeah, oh, lovely. (laughs) (laughs) All you need is an extra mint magnum a day. I'm very lucky. I'm nearly 5'11", so it's not instantly noticeable. But I just, all my clothes are just very slightly too tight. And I also think lockdown is harder when the weather's bad, because I enjoyed all those extra long walks we could do in that amazing spring and summer last year. But And it's actually not a bad day today, but when it's absolutely hammering down and you Mm. just think, do I really have to go out and exercise and get some fresh air in this? Honestly, hands off. And I said this to you just before we started filming. I can't believe you're doing this. With a toddler, all of my friends with young mums are the true heroes. In oh this. no! Do you
2: know what I can't do without my own mum? I have a childcare bubble, so I can't socialise with my mum, but I can drop my child off there, which is saving me.
1: So we're not going to see M- Macy run around behind the camera any second now, stealing, no. stealing the guy. No, she
2: wouldn't. She would be on my lap right now, going hi, hi. That's what she's like. Yeah. No, I am um, I drop her off to my mum two days a week, so that's actually keeping me sane and work is my break from like the real hard work which is being a (laughs) mum
1: and i do think we're incredibly lucky to do what we do because we are we are new generation content creators and i i have to say no matter how much i have an occasional little moan to myself I
2: genuinely love what I do for a living, and that makes me incredibly mm, lucky. Me too. I totally agree. That definitely helps. Do you know saying? That new generation, I know you don't mind me saying this, but have you seen on TikTok and Instagram the reels where they're like people who are doing reels and social media who weren't born, who were born in like the 90s or something like that, just like taking the mick out of older people doing social media
1: Connie I, I don't know how old your mum is but I suspect I'm older than your mum oh, of course I don't have TikTok
2: <laughs> my mum's my, my 59 and she I'm 58 there you go and she basically couldn't do a moon pig card the other day and she was like ringing me asking me how to do it but what I'm saying is okay you're 58 you've got an incredible YouTube channel You're great on social media. You've adapted because that wasn't around when you started your career 30 years ago, maybe more, I don't know. Yeah, 31,
1: exactly 31 years ago I got
2: interviewed. Yeah, and what was it like back then? I did an interview
1: for the Times yesterday and a journalist rang me up who I've grown up with and we were laughing about, in those days, we just finished, both of us had finished watching It's a Sin, oh, yeah. the Russell Davis series, which was the year, set the year that I went to university. And we were both laughing that in those days, without search engines and computers, we started on manual typewriters. And to research something, you went in a lift in your office, up to the library, you set filled out cards, so it would be collagen supplements, perfect case in point. You left the person in charge to go to the files and you came out with manila envelopes of cuttings and book references to research. And if you, everybody here, if you could see Connie's face right now, (laughs) it's like she thinks I'm 112. But honestly, that, that pace of technology change and that technological change has been so fast in those 30 years, I think, society has changed more in the last 30 years than it probably did in the the previous 300 Mm -hmm. years in terms of if you're in the media in any way and actually even in real life you think about how we all use our phones now things have changed and and in some ways my my job has become so much easier because if I want to research something I simply google it it's a perfect case in point however the consumption of media is so much faster that it's like feeding an endlessly hungry beast People just want more free content. And that's such a hungry beast, especially in lockdown, that you just feel like it's never enough. You can never create enough. So instead of writing two features a month on a glossy magazine or one feature a week in a newspaper, It's almost like an hourly refresh, fresh feed that you constantly have to Mm. feed. So six of one, half a dozen of another, like most Mm. of life. And
2: and what is it doing for the beauty industry? Like, does that mean that there needs to be more products and more excitement and new releases all the time?
1: Yeah, I remember a time, honestly, hand on heart, when I first started. So I became a beauty, I became, I've been a journalist since I left university and I graduated from university in the mid 80s. But I became a beauty journalist because I got onto women's magazines and obviously the beauty department had the most glamour and the most fun. And it was that perfect mix of beauty and health. So I had all of the journalism in the health and nutrition and fitness and then all of the fun in the beauty. And I honestly remember when beauty companies, big companies like Chanel and Dior, they had two collections a year and that was it. There would be maybe one skincare product and two collections a year. And it was a huge time and a huge event. And, you know, we were fed by monthly magazines and nowadays, it seems to me like there's a new collection every week. I mean, there are there's so much newness. So your generation are just faced, when you go on store, or you go online, it's just baffling. There are too many products mm. out there. It never fails to amaze me when celebrities say, I launched this range of, because I used to work at Hello, so I used to interview these celebrities. I launched this range of products because I just couldn't find what I wanted. And I'm like, <laughs> Really? Have you been in Superdrug recently or selfages? Like there's more than enough, excuse my language, crap out there. Come on now. So when I started my YouTube channel, what I wanted to do was sort the good from the bad, sort the wheat from the chaff, hold people's hands metaphorically and say to them, don't be overwhelmed. I've been there, seen it done. It got the T-shirt. I know what works and what's worth spending your money on and that was the basis when I started my youtube Mm, channel and
2: it's so needed I get messages all the time from people saying you know oh I just don't know what what fake tan to go for watch and and then I feel like oh my god I need to go out and buy all these things obviously I'm lucky I get gifted a lot but not everything and I need to try them and then share my reviews but I can't keep up I can't keep up and I get stuck in this little cycle of just using the same products all the time. And then I have to remember what my job is and then like go right now, you need to branch out. So I've just ordered loads of glossier stuff to try that out. Cause I haven't tried that yet and that's everywhere. So gosh, I mean, I know you, that's what you solely do. Um, and that's what your YouTube channel is about, but it's really needed. I hope people listening to this, go to your YouTube channel because your experience your knowledge Um, And you're honest, so they'll get the best reviews. I I mean, I am
1: brutally honest. And in some ways, this that shoots me in the foot because there are certain beauty companies who I think probably wouldn't want to work with me (laughs) because I don't buy into what they're saying and selling. But by the same token, there are genuinely enough brands out there who... Are really principled and create great products, and they needn't break the bank. And it's people slide into my DMs the whole time. And I, when I speak to my friends, and on the rare occasions back in the day when we used to go out for a drink, and all my young, beautiful friends would tell me about men sending them naughty DMs, pixelated DMs that you download. If somebody sends me a picture and I download it, and there's that moment where you think, What is actually going to pop up in my DMs here? Don't worry for me, it's never, or it's very rarely anything rude, it's normally a rash. Or a scab <laughs> or a sort of fake tan mistake or a bit a, a bit of dry skin on an elbow. And people say to me, help. They they I think for the first time, probably certainly ever, on counter at the moment, there's just so much stuff out there and so many mixed messages that people are genuinely lost. And if it's something really important, I mean, you know, perfect case in point for you is I'm, I'm sure a lot of people come into your DMs and they're worried about their weight. They're worried about their fitness. They, that, you know, they might be battling eating disorders. But that's a huge responsibility for you as a young person. And I think for me, seeing somebody come into my DMs admit that they've battled a lifelong whatever it could be, eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, acne, or something like that, I take that responsibility very seriously to try and help mm. that person. So I feel the same way you do, which are which is why I enjoy following you because I find your content really inspirational but not so aspirational and I find you a genuinely authentic kind person and I try to bring that to my social media I try to help people genuinely come from a good place and then pass it on to experts if I feel that it's above my pay grade mm. you know I know so many amazing dermatologists and skincare doctors and people like that and
2: I yeah I take that responsibility very seriously And that's why you've got to where you are because you actually care about people you're not you're not just doing it for the freebies, you know, or, you know, to have your name in a newspaper, you actually care. And that's what's so special about you.
1: Well, I think it's interesting because as I said earlier on, I am 58 and I think the advantage of being that age and doing what I'm doing, partly because I'm the only person that age doing it. So it it makes me very lucky in that sense. That's my USP. But also I think, you know, if you could see behind me and when this is all over, Connie, you have to come round and, you know, come shopping in my cupboard. Because I have got, so much stuff here look at my sides here i've got so much stuff that's being sent to me i don't need to be sent anything for free anymore ever again you know apart from that i have to tell my my followers about any newness that i think works so for me those press samples are sort of the fodder from which i create my content but i'm not that person that says oh look at me unboxing this this is what landed on my desk again content that i'm not really that comfortable with because for me i look at the con everything that gets sent to me and i think right let's let's think about this as a journalist would let's think right okay so question today is have you got dry skin these are the best products that will moisturize dry skin in lockdown that aren't too heavy and that you can go out and you can you know use them on your hands after you've washed your hands and you can use your phone straight away these are the top five products i think about it that way so i editorialize every piece of content that i put out so i I don't really share a lot of my personal life and I don't really share a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. My Instagram and my YouTube are almost like little mini newspapers stroke beauty magazines. Mm. That's how I think about yeah, it. Yeah,
2: no, and, and, and they're informative, aren't yeah. they? That's it. Yeah. What What is this like production of constant products why is why has it become like that why is it necessary why are brands doing this and what is it doing for the environment as well and people's I have to say it I think it's it's affecting people's mental health because I think people feel like they can't keep up and like I know that sounds might sound really dramatic but it's with fashion as well like you constantly need to be buying new clothes because you need to fit in it's the same with the latest mascara or um I don't know face serums or highlighter like what? What are you, what? Do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I completely agree with you, Connie. And
1: interestingly enough, it's driven by the retailers. So retailers, and and I know a lot of really big, a lot of the really big beauty retailers, they are driven by, and so so it's a sort of itch scratch itch cycle. There was a time, as I said, when the big companies would launch one skincare product, one skincare range, and then maybe two makeup collections a year, and that would be it. Um, and we were never stressed in the sense of, you know, keeping up with constant newness 20 years ago. And then what happened was I think more beauty companies launched and more people were fighting for the same shelf space and the same, the same level of attractiveness to you. So they wanted to speak to you. And at the same time, fast fashion was happening. And I think fast fashion actually happened. I remember when Zara launched Mm. in the UK, let alone Primark and places like that. And honestly, hand on heart, Those, that fast fashion, and then by association, that fast beauty industry fed in at the same time as social media. So it was sort of this circle of prices come down, people want newness, things become affordable. So, for example, it's much cheaper to buy a Primark lipstick than it is a Chanel lipstick. Primark could copy Chanel lipsticks and Chanel catwalk really quickly because it's a lot of it's made in the third world. And then again, you have to think about the consequences of what you're buying and how much these people who are making these things are being paid. And then by the same token, the retailers were like, right, so Boots and Superdrag have to now compete with Primark, which means we want things as fast and as quick. So you want the Kylie lip kit. You can't get it because it's in America. So Primark, copy it. Primark, copy it. Everybody wants it. And then you've tried that. Let's be honest here, nothing you buy will ever truly make you happy because we all know that's not where happiness lies. So you go on for the next big hit and the next big hit. So I think it's a combination of social media, retailers and the ability for companies to source things globally that makes them incredibly cheap. None of it is good for your mental health and none of it is good for the world nobody needs another new beauty product i know i'm telling you here and now nobody needs another new beauty product they just don't nobody needs fast fashion we all know we've all done that thing And let's be honest here, I'm as guilty as everybody else at the moment. We're all stuck in. I walked down to Hammersmith the other day. Connie and I don't live that far from each other. I walked down to Hammersmith the other day and I had to stop myself going into Poundland. Why would I want to go into Poundland? Because I miss shopping, because it's fun. Let's be honest here. And I'm just like, okay, so I'll come back and I think, oh, little treat at the end of the day. I've worked really hard. What shall I have? Go on Amazon, have a look. And I was laughing last night on a live with my friend Joe on Instagram. I bought a candle care kit and it arrived and I thought, (laughs) did i do that (laughs) like it's only sort of 15 pounds or something but it's the equivalent isn't it of just buying another pair of leggings or another top off something off boohoo or something like that and i just thought do you know what i get why we're doing it at the moment because we're all in lockdown and we have to take pleasure in the little things in life but i think to actually stand back and think about what you're consuming to look at the pattern of where that stuff is made who made it if you're getting a lipstick that's $2.99 or $3.99, think about who manufactured that and the consequences of your action. And I, again, I think that's all, get, getting older, thinking about your place in a world rather than just living within your own head, I think. And, and I agree with you. I mm-hmm. don't think any of it is particularly good. And when I was growing up, we saved up. Or if we were lucky and we had a credit card back in the day for that one new drop, because, again, there were only three collections, four collections a year in warehouse or top shop. There wasn't like Mm. you have to go now because next week that won't be available anymore because those clothes were on counter for an entire season. So yeah, I, I don't know where it's all going to end up, Connie, but it'll be really interesting to see how Macy's generation cope with it. But I think your generation are probably the generation that have navigated really choppy waters the most. So I come from a position mm-hmm. of remembering when you couldn't buy stuff. My mother's generation grew up in the war, so they remember true austerity. And then you just mm-hmm. remember there being a whole host of sh- stuff. I nearly said
2: the s-h-i-t mm. word but just too much <laughs> stuff there's too much stuff there is i agree and i'm feeling it more than ever now in the pandemic like why did we need all these clothes and so my mom's like your washing is outrageous but it's because you have so many clothes when you were younger connie you all had five outfits and they were always washed ready for the week up next week until you grew out of them and then we got you new stuff on your birthday or christmas and that was it and then now i'm finding myself on zara because the clothes are just so delicious for um, macy's age and i'm like oh it's only $3.99 little I girls know, it's so cute <laughs> only $3.99 for a t-shirt oh $12.99, that's not that bad and then you're just like what are you doing what are you doing like yeah there's
1: the, i mean we've got let's be honest here we're in a completely unique unusual time so we have to all give ourselves a break at the moment who cares about the amazon candle care <laughs> kit and the Zara t-shirt for your daughter and and my extra mint magnum, like nobody cares in the big scheme of things, they really don't. But I think it's very interesting talking to your mother and even to your grandmother, and talking about how they consumed as younger people, because it does put things things into perspective. And the truth was that when your mum was young, and when your grandmother was young, things were made more locally. So actually, as a percentage of their wages, they cost a lot more. So it would have cost your grandmother or your mother a lot of money to buy a pair of shoes back in the day, because the chances are they're probably manufactured in the UK or in Scotland, or maybe Paris, or if they were lucky, or Italy. Nowadays, we're in a global market. So those things are made in China and in India and in Mm -hmm. Indonesia and in Korea. And by association, those things are cheaper, which makes them more accessible which makes it easier for you to buy more Mm. stuff. But they're probably worse quality, aren't they? I I genuinely don't know. I think my mother and your grandmother would definitely say yes. But I think at the end of the day, you have to also think of the consequences of if something is incredibly cheap and you can buy it cheaply, who in the line has made that cheaply and are they having a good living out
2: of Mm. it? Yeah, it's really important, isn't it, to... Think about the ethics of things. And
1: I also think it's really important for you, because I think you're thinking you're thinking as a mum now. And I think the minute you have children, you go through a mind shift, which is you you begin to realize that the the world you're creating now is the world that Macy's going to inherit. So you think about the next generation. You become The ultimate act of being selfless is to become a mum. And so I think because you're putting somebody else's needs first 24-7 all the time, I think it makes you think about the consequences of your actions. But the whole eco argument with beauty is not clean cut at all. I did a video on YouTube the other day saying, you know, can you be a beauty addict and be green? And, and I asked lots of experts and it's not as clear cut as people mm. think, it's not as easy as just buying a shampoo bar. The ethics of the, the, the green industry are, now let me get this right, they're all the R's. So you reduce, reuse, refill, recycle. And I think a lot of people think about recycling and refilling, but the first word is reduce. I literally buy less stuff. <laughs> That's the first rule of being green like literally buy less stuff. And there's there's a reason that, you know, pollution levels have gone down in the pandemic. And they think that maybe the polar ice caps are not going to melt as much in the pandemic. And it's because we've all been stuck at home, technically buying less stuff, but also, you know, not commuting, not flying, not going on holidays, all those things. So this is in no way a judgment on anybody. As I said, you know, I've got a wicked little Amazon habit. So there's no judgment here but it's not straightforward it's not black and white
2: (laughs) no no it's no judgment at all it's it's interesting and I think it's important for everyone to listen because we're all guilty of it I'm sure and I'm really interested in it because I do get asked a lot can you do a sustainable makeup look can you show us um vegan products sustainable products that you love and it's a question I get asked so much and actually I don't get trolled, which is amazing. I've had my fair share in the past, but it's stopped now for some reason. But what I do get criticized about is if someone sees a plastic bottle in the background or if someone sees me do something that isn't necessarily sustainable, that's where I get critiqued the most. You know, and I try and do my bit here and there, but yeah, I'm not I'm not perfect and I'm not vegan, but you know, that's, it's a big thing at the moment. So I'm really intrigued with this whole beauty. And when you said, you know, can you be green and a beauty addict is really interesting to me because I personally would say no, because I feel like even those brands that are bringing out those sustainable packaging and things like that, they're not getting rid of their products that weren't sustainable. They're still producing those, so actually they're just producing more. Even if the stuff they're producing is sustainable, their whole range and their whole collection that's on the shelf isn't. And then we're buying it.
1: I th- yeah, I think I think that some companies are greenwashing. So what they're doing is they're looking to create a new market that feeds into the eco warriors that are out there. And I think, but I think actually most eco warriors are pretty sussed i mean they're pretty pretty skeptical about what they're buying and they know and they've done their research The same with the, the vegans you know you could do a vegan makeup look which would be really helpful for a lot of people because there are a lot of, so many people now care about veganism and, and follow a vegan mm. lifestyle. But a sustainable makeup is literally just to go to the bottom of your makeup bag and use up stuff that isn't finished. Just don't buy anything new and you are automatically going to be sustainable. Like I have got enough makeup upstairs that if it's not opened, because bearing in my beauty products, don't have a sell by date in the sense or a use by date, what they have is is a best before. So what they do is they have a little pot on the side that has either six months, a year, 18 months, two months on the side. And it, it's from opening. Mm. So if you've never opened that product, that product is pretty much okay for a few years, like providing it's somewhere cool and fine and stuff like that. But the secret is use everything you've got to the last drop. And that's the biggest decision you can make to be sustainable don't buy something just because it's new and exciting use up the stuff you've already got but veganism is a totally different issue because obviously we have to make sure there's no animal extracts in anything so there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight
0: loss journey than with plush care
2: hasn't used their foundation throughout this whole pandemic because we're wearing less makeup and we're in loungewear do they have to throw it in the bin like is that 12 month or that six month sell by date on those products like do you really swear by them and do you think we should all follow them is it going to give us a rash is it are we going to break out
1: no, it's, it's a guideline, So, and but the problem is that who remembers when they opened anything? So <laughs> yes. I do think it's a guideline. I do think it depends on the, how that foundation has been kept. If it's in a dropper, if it's in an open tub, if you put your fingers in it, if it's a cream, the use-by date is going to be far shorter than if it's in a pump. If it's in an airtight container, you're fine, because it's the oxygen that gets into it. It's your fingers that get into products, and it's the sunlight that, that makes them go off. And also, it would depend if you, you have a product with a paraben in a, a preservative in it. I personally am absolutely pro-parabens. I think they are by far and away the safest way to save beauty products and to make them safe for you to use as long as possible. So if you've got something that's maybe a little bit natural, and I'm saying that using my fingers is air quotes, if you've got something that hasn't got a good preservative system in it and it has to be used really quickly, then follow those dates. Otherwise, I do think there is a sniff test and a look test. So you smell something and you'll notice if it's gone, it always smells slightly yogurty when it starts to go off. It means it's been infected with bacteria and it's starting to ferment. But also you'll notice with foundations, they'll separate. The, the, the pigment will separate from the base. So, And lipsticks are the most common thing you see. You open them up and they get a bloom on them. So they get a sort of white bloom on them. and They just don't smell right. Don't put them on. Chances are, actually, you are fine. Anywhere apart from around your eyes, but you'll notice, and I'm sure we've all done it. There isn't a single person out there that hasn't dug up an old eyeliner and thought, Oh, I forgot how good that was. I it's brilliant. And you use it around your eyes, and the next day you think, You wake up and you think, even though you've washed it off, you think, Oh, my eyes are a bit irritated or a a little bit sort of gunky when I've woken up. That's a sure sign that because your eyes are obviously the most sensitive part of you, the mascara. Or the eyeliner that you dug back out from the back of the drawer probably does need throwing away, sadly.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good um, information because I do think a lot of people are going to return to their makeup bags once this is over. And they're going to want to use their stuff, you know, just be a little bit careful. And it's really interesting what you say about pro because... Everyone shouts about paraben free, paraben free, silicone free. And like I've, I've worked on campaigns where the text or they've wanted me to mention that is paraben free and silicone free and stuff. And the fact that you've said that you're pro paraben, I'm really interested because I trust you more than anyone, to be honest. So tell me more.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. I think it's what I call the goopification of beauty. And this is something that's happened only in the last sort of five or six years. And it's essentially the demonization of certain ingredients in beauty, which I think are wrong. So there's a myth that the beauty industry is unregulated. There is a myth that the beauty industry is out to poison you and to irritate you and to ruin your skin and ruin your life. And, you know, let's be honest here. The beauty industry is run by people, people who are employed to sell stuff. And they only want to sell you things that they want you to buy more of. It's it's a complete myth. Cosmetic scientists formulating chemists are not some Dr. Evil sitting in a bunker somewhere, you know, with a, a skinny cat on its lap, you know, plotting to take over the world. And the paraben argument came from a now very, very, very disreputable and removed and disproved study that showed that um, parabens were found in uh, breast breast cancer tissue. And you can go away and you can look it up. And, um, And so there became this sort of whisper, Chinese whisper sort of lesson where somebody said, oh, we've discovered this and there might be a link. There might be a link. Oh, there is a link. Oh, there is a link. We should all stop using parabens. And so what happened was there was a sort of disinformation, discourse that came out that basically said that parabens were bad. And then what happened was, A few people within the industry decided, that a few brands decided that their unique selling point was to have paraben-free and to be clean and to be natural. There is no such legislation to cover clean or natural products either. So then there became this demonization of parabens. The reason we have to have parabens is because by nature, we are fundamentally grubby individuals. I mean, you know, let's be honest here, we put our hands in our creams, and we stick them all over our faces. And when was the last time you washed your hands? And your hands are never clean, clean of, of, you know, viruses and microbes and all that sort of stuff. We've learned that through the pandemic, how often we have to clean our hands to even keep ourselves remotely safe. So parabens are literally Um, chemicals that are added to your skincare product, and everything is a chemical, water is a chemical, air is a chemical, every single ounce of food you eat is a chemical, we are all 100% chemical. It's a chemical that's added to make your product safer. And the demonization of them means that what the beauty industry has had to do is they've had to create new preservatives very, very quickly as a result. And these new preservatives are actually more problematic than the old preservatives. So the new system of preservatives, they think are more temperamental, they haven't been tested for as long. And more importantly, they think that they're accounting for the rise in skin redness and sensitivity and dermatitis, um, because either products aren't properly preserved, or there are new generations of preservatives. I think with all the demonization of any ingredient in a product, I think you have to think about when they talk about anything being toxic for you, you have to think that you can drink too much water and kill yourself. Like anything at the right dose is essentially toxic. You can over, you can hyperventilate and kill yourself. So oxygen can be toxic. And I think the important thing is over the years, that preservative systems are used at the very, 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 very lowest dose to keep something as safe as possible for as long as possible. And I would like to put that decision in the hands of the the people that have the doctorates and have done this for a very long time, rather than Gwyneth Paltrow's hands, who tells me that a product is bad for me. But what beauty companies did was they reacted to the consumer need and the sort of disinformation, and they panicked and started creating products for a new generation that panicked about it. But the truth was that my generation never thought about it preservative systems. They just presumed that their products were safe for them to use. We, we put our faith in the scientists. And I think it's a little bit like the anti-vax movement. You know, the anti-vax movement all grew up at the same time. And it's only now that we're in a world where we're hoping that a vaccination is going to free us to live our lives, that we're beginning to put our faith back in science again. Scientists are not evil. They genuinely are working for the good of, of humankind. I genuinely believe that. And I don't think the beauty industry is out to get you at all. So don't worry about it, I promise.
2: No, I agree with you. I'm 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 with you on the whole anti-vaccinating and stuff like that. I mean, that's a whole nother story. We won't go into it. But no, why why would these people wanna put chips in us? And why would people want to <laughs> poison our skincare cream when they want us to buy more and more? But also I'll just say what's interesting about the whole thing
1: about the people that turn around and say, These things are just out there to get you. Like, like they're just trying to keep an eye on you, they're trying to put a chip on you. Like They're using this, right? She said, holding up her mobile phone. This is your chip, right? You carry that everywhere. They know exactly what you're doing, what you're buying. You know, I Google search something on here, candle making kit on here. And next time I go onto my computer and I Google something, up come loads of ads for candle making kits. They don't need to put a chip on you. The thing you're using to moan about the chip is your chip. You don't want a chip in your life, throw away your phone.
2: (laughs) I do worry that a lot of these people are bored and need to put their energy elsewhere and need to like... I know it's easy to be bored right now, but there are other things you can do that you can still learn a new skill at home. You can read, you can, you know, come on, get away from these conspiracies and just put a little bit of faith back into the people that are trying to help us. A
1: hundred percent, Connie. And that's why I love you. And that's why I follow you, because I, I know that even though we come from different disciplines, we're essentially the same sort of person. And I do think that the beauty industry is not out to get you. It's it's genuinely not. I tell you what it does do, which is something that you mentioned in your interview, I think it oversells and I think it sells a dream and unless you've got a lot of money to spend you don't need to buy into the dream of the 200 pound cream that's going to change your skin it's not or the new makeup collection that's going to make you look like an airbrushed Kardashian it's not so I think they are trying to oversell but I don't think in any way they're trying to harm if anything in fact I think Beauty products are formulated so carefully to be safe that in some ways they can't live up to some of the claims they make in terms of anti-aging or getting rid of spots or something like that. Because the first argument is firstly, make that product safe, which is why you can go to a professional facialist or a doctor and get something that's stronger, that can work for you. For example, you know you could have a an antibiotic, which obviously you can't get in a, a beauty product, or you could get a really strong level of vitamin A, which you, retinoic acid, which you can't get in a beauty product. But there are weaker versions that are available on the high street. so, actually, the first concern when somebody, a cosmetic scientist, is making something, is is it safe? Almost to the point where, you know, if you're doing your makeup and Macy grabs something off the side and takes a bite of your lipstick and swallows it. They even think about that. They even think, is this safe if Macy accidentally licks her mum's face? Do you know what I mean? So the thought that the beauty industry is out to get you is, is a complete conspiracy. It really is. Like I said, formulating chemists are mums and dads. They're normal people like you and I. Well, they're much smarter than me, but there you go. And they're not out to get you. They're really not. <laughs>
2: They just want our uh, bank balance. Now, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> they, want you to buy, they want you to buy more. Right. So we've touched on anti-aging a few times. We haven't actually spoken about it in depth, but I feel like there's always this men mature like a fine wine and yet women, we don't apparently. And we're constantly looking for the best anti-aging product. Does anti-aging products exist? Do they work? What is the best way to look younger? How old are you, Connie? 28.
1: At your age, no, is the answer. Step away from the anti-aging creams. Your skin will never look as, as good as it looks now. I mean, you you are literally at your kind of peak. Your collagen's gorgeous. You know, I think, I think one of the problems with both the fashion and the beauty world is they, to some degree, they play on your insecurities. So you know, and the diet industry and and to a degree, the wellness industry is they play on your insecurities. So as a woman, I feel like we feel we're never enough. So we're never slim enough, fit enough, gorgeous enough, our skin isn't smooth enough, our hair isn't shiny enough or long enough or whatever it is. And I think one of the things that you do when you're younger is, is by your very nature, you're quite insecure. In terms of anti-aging, to be honest, most women do not notice big differences in their skin until they start to be in their 40s. So, you know, you have all the problems when you're younger and you have hormonal problems, and then you're a mum and you're knackered and you've got hormonal roller coasters of getting pregnant, giving birth, breastfeeding and things like that. They can directly affect your skin, but your skin has a tendency to bounce back. However, when you're in your 40s, your body starts to stop the production of oestrogen and that does have a dramatic effect on every part of your body and that's when you really notice and that's really when you should be using or thinking about upping your skincare game. So the best thing you can do for your skin and Macy's skin is to put an SPF on, right? Like keep Macy out of the sun, feed her a nice healthy diet, same for you. You don't have to worry about it. But by the time you hit your late 30s, early 40s, you are you have a, an under a fundamental underlying reason why your skin is starting to age. The things you need to do to protect your skin is you need to, yes, use an SPF every day, which is super important. Your skin will get drier, so you need to to up your moisturiser again slightly. And then what you need to do is you need to use something to protect your skin in the morning. And for me, I like an antioxidant, so I like a vitamin C in the morning. It can be in your cream, it can be in your SPF, it can be in your serum. And then at night, there's another vitamin. There's a vitamin A, which is In skincare, it's called a retinoid or a retinol. And that helps to trick your skin into behaving as healthy and as young. And again, I'm using air quotes there as possible. Nothing will actually make your skin younger because that's an impossibility. Otherwise, you know, you'd be mother nature. We are all going to get older every single day. You are never going to be as young as you are in this minute listening to this podcast Remember that, be grateful for that. But also getting older is also a privilege. I want to look as good as I can be, but I'm quite happy to talk about my age. I believe there's empowerment in owning my age, but I only look the way I look because I I believe that beauty products work. No, they will never make me look as young and as gorgeous as you look in this moment because I will never be 28 again. And you really do have the most beautiful skin and hair, Connie. But by the same token, I think I look good for my age because products work. But there's not some miracle cream made by a French company that costs £300, that is sourced from the depth of the ocean or up the top of a mountain or picked at sundown (laughs) by virgins or monks. That's all a load of bunkum, right? The best skincare products are made. Trust me, I've been on those trips, Connie, to Paris where they've told us that. The best skincare products are formulated by scientists that put back what your skin needs. And what your skin needs is not that different to what your body needs. So it's literally things like, things that are found naturally in your skin. So your body utilizes vitamin C, your body utilizes vitamin D, your body utilizes vitamin A when you eat it. And this is where our industries cross over and our interests cross over. When you're younger, your skin produces a lot of hyaluronic acid, a lot of urea, your body uses a lot of glycerin. They're the things in your skin that lock water into your skin. When you're my age, your body has less of them. So you put them on topically. So what you're looking to do is put back into your skin what it had when you were younger. And that's not some obscure plant picked from the top of a mountain. Because what makes somebody think that a plant extract is better for your skin than a vitamin. It doesn't, it, to me, it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It's a myth-based, and I totally get, like, I love perfumes and I love bath oils and I love a bit of pampering and I love a candle, but when it comes, comes to, if you're serious about looking after your skin and anybody's listening to this that's concerned about the signs of aging if they get older, then what you need to do is think about the basics of really good skincare. And the basics of really good skincare are based in dermatology. And what you put back into your skin is what your skin had when you were younger. And it's simply the same. When you watch enough of my content, you'll hear me talk about the same active ingredients time and time again. You'll hear me talk about glycerin, hyaluronic acid, you'll hear me talk about urea, you'll hear me talk about vitamin C,
2: vitamin D, vitamin A. It's in some ways, it's, it's almost like putting nutrition back into your skin. And would you say that skin supplements work then that contain these things? Or is it better to get it through a cream? I'll say what I would say to the same
1: person that thinks, should they take vitamin supplements orally for their health? And that is A vitamin supplement will never replace a good diet. However, if you're vegan, then it's good to take some sort of protein, collagen supplement. If you live in a, a polluted city, I think it's important to use a vitamin C serum every day to protect your skin from pollution. Just walking down the road, if you live in the countryside, your level of pollution on your skin is going to be so much less than you and I, Connie, and busy London suburbs where you walk down the road and you take your mask off at the end of the day and you realize all that black grime on it is also landing on your skin. I think there is new research showing that certain supplements can work to a degree. And I actually do think it's the supplements that have the most research behind them. So things like Viviscal, for example, has some the hair supplement has some quite good supplement um, information and research behind it. I'm trying to think of some other ones. There are, there are some good ones out there. But the truth is that A collagen supplement will never replace a healthy diet but it will work for somebody probably who doesn't eat that well and a vitamin c supplement will never replace somebody having seven fresh fruit and veg a day but a lot of people don't and so i think in terms of a supplement on top of your skin you've also got to realize that while your skin is the largest organ in your body it's also the last to be fed by any nutrients you know for your body it's like your hair you know, if you go through a period of illness and you don't eat well, your skin and your hair suffer. And the reason is because to your body, they're not that essential. Your bones, your muscles, your heart, lungs are far more important. So if you are nutritionally deficient, your hair and your skin suffer. So I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a supplement in that case, or also topping it up with topical vitamin C or vitamin A, because your skin will be the last thing that gets hold of all those things that you eat, Mm. all that goodness you eat. So I'm a firm believer in topical vitamins for the skin, 100%. Topical as in
2: creams? As in serums. Serums, serums and serums. creams, yeah. yeah. I didn't know that about um, when you're ill or whatever, all the goodness goes everywhere else, leaves your skin and hair last, which is interesting. I guess when you're pregnant or after baby, you lose a lot of hair. I got really bad acne when I was pregnant as well. I think it was on my back, not on my face. I guess that's all hormone related. But... I've always thought that my hair and skin was a genetic thing, but is it also a sign that I am quite healthy? I mean,
1: I think it's a combination of lots of things. I think the nature of your skin, your body shape, your hair is directly inherited from your parents. So I would imagine somebody in your family has the most stonkingly gorgeous hair known to mankind because you inherited that from somebody and no matter what I do, I will never have hair like yours, right? I get that. But by the same token, no matter what you do, you'll never be 5'11", because I inherited that from somebody in my family. So I think part of it is genetics. Part of it is how you live in this moment, i.e. what you're eating. But also, it is the hormonal roller coaster for a woman, your hormones directly impact every aspect of your skin. So if you think about the times when your skin plays up the most it's during puberty which is a hormone roller coaster it's then getting pregnant then it's then having a baby and breastfeeding and then when you'll get to my age it's the menopause and that's the time that you come off of a sort of homeostasis with your hormones they're not level and you're on this mad roller coaster and that has direct impact on your hair and your skin But fundamentally, it does, because they're really important. And I do think there are products you can use out there, genuinely, if anybody's out there and they're suffering from their skin at the moment. Yes, you can DM me on Instagram and and YouTube and stuff like that. But, you know, there are great products that are out there that are available to tackle short term acne, breakouts, pigmentation, dry skin, psoriasis, eczema. If it gets to the point you've tried most of the stuff that's available over the counter, that's the point at which you see your dermatologist or your doctor, obviously. But there are great products out there. I mean, salicylic acid is a, is a resurfacing acid that was originally derived from sugarcane. It's a beta hydroxy acid. And it's amazing. Not sugarcane. Sorry, that's glycolic. It's originally It was originally de- derived from willow bark and it's related to aspirin. And essentially what it does is you put it on the skin at night in a gel or a spray or a serum. And what it does is it's attracted to the oil. So it deep dives into your pores and clears them out. So salicylic acid, it's also known as BHA. And the one I recommend most, if mm. if, if I'd have known you'd suffered from your back and I maybe I slid into your DMs, I don't know, but there's a Paula's choice 2% beta hydroxy acid body spray that you can spray onto back knee that just works absolutely brilliantly. And then there's a gel and a lotion you can put on your face. I mean, There are enough products out there to tackle short-term, so acute skincare problems. They really, and they work, they really do. I mean, great companies out there like CeraVe and Curel, like La Roche-Posay, SkinCeuticals, Paula's Choice. There are enough great products out there that are created with what I call dermatologists' basic founding principles. So no obscure plants picked by virgins at six o'clock at night, but active ingredients proven to work on the skin in clinical trials.
2: I'm a big fan of Murad. Would you say that they
1: are up there? I love Howard Murad. I've met him so many times. Dr. Howard Murad is amazing. Again, he's a dermatologist based out of LA. And when he first started talking about products you know, I remember he was the first person to talk to me about the importance of hydration in the skin. Again, when you've been in the industry as long as I have, I've spoken to Dr. Perico and I've spoken to Dr. Murad, I've spoken to all these people, the founding fathers, the dermatologists behind CeraVe and stuff like that. So I remember the most important information Howard Murad ever told me was, no matter how much water you drink, you'll never hydrate your skin. And I was like, because I'd written those features where I said, you know, make sure you drink eight water, eight glasses of water a day. Now, obviously, drinking water is really important for your body and your mind, and you know, your blood pressure and all those things. He said, um, but essentially, he was the first person to say to me, your skin is the last thing. Your skin's not going to worry about what you you drink really, because it's exposed to the air. And if the air's dry and you've got your central heating on, the water's just going to keep coming out of it. So put a moisturizer on that'll lock water into your skin. But more importantly, he said you need something called contained water. And I was like, what's contained water? And he said, it's just water you find in fruit and veg. So rather than drink a glass of water, if you drink a glass of water, you know that 15 minutes later, you're you're going to have a wee, right? That's what you do. If you eat an orange or eat a salad, you don't have to have a wee afterwards. It's got similar level of water in it, but your body utilizes it slowly. It has to break the cells down. It slowly releases it into your body. It's like time release. And at the same token, you've got all the vitamin C and all the vitamin A and all the, the those vitamin B water solubles at the same time. So the foundations for nutrients and nutrition for good skin are the same as they are for a healthy body. So yes, part of your skin is genetics. Part of it is that you have a good healthy diet. And part of it is skincare. And it's mm. a little
2: kind of Venn diagram of those three things. Mm. It's your whole, it's a, it's a whole lifestyle, isn't it? As well, it's, um, I think Murad taught me that is like, they have a like a special wheel and you can, you talk about how much sleep you get, how much fruit and vegetables you eat, how much water you drink, you know, how stressed you are, um, all these different things. And, you know, all of that can impact your skin and your hair and your nails. And
1: he's such, when, when I first interviewed Howard Murad, 30 years ago, he was obviously much younger and he was very obsessed with skincare. And I think now as he's got older, he's got quite zen about his place in life. And I think he's determined to try and give back and 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 get people all to, to kind of look at the whole picture, look at the mental health acid, attitude mm. and the stress. Because we all know so many people's skin has kind of played, gone mad in the lockdown. And I think that's because we're all getting out less, eating far worse, probably the vast majority of us not exercising enough, but also we're just stressed. Mm. You know, we've got, we all by our very nature and I think this is where we feed back into shopping as well. What, when you when you buy something, when you go online and you buy something or you buy a top for Macy or you buy a new lipstick, it's like a little light at the end of the tunnel. It's a little reward and we're hardwired to want that reward and to want to look forward to things. And what the pandemic has taken away for a lot of people is the ability to look forward. We can't look forward to hugging our loved ones, getting together for your birthdays, celebrating, going on holidays, celebrating a loved one's birthday, you know. So if you take away the things to look forward to, then all we've got to look forward to is new lipstick.
2: Yeah. That is like an iconic, iconic quote. That is like an iconic quote. So we're coming towards the end of the podcast. I just want to sum things up. You don't need to spend a fortune for good skincare. That's what you've said quite a few times. A
1: hundred percent. The one thing that has happened in the, lo- in the last five years is there's been a revolution in skincare. And I think at one point we all fell for the myth of the expensive £200 cream. And I think what has happened is, is there's been a democratization of skincare. And I think the, the really good skincare companies, and by this, I mean, you can go into Superdrug and Boots and buy great skincare, you really can. And I think the, the brands to look forward to, I think for me, the brands to look at are what I always call the slightly sort of, you're going through the beauty aisle and then you almost get to the pharmacy aisle. So almost before you get to the sanitary towels and the tampax and the deodorants, <laughs> there's that aisle where you've got Vichy, Ros posay Neutrogena, yeah. Avain. If you're on a budget and you just want your skincare to work, That's the aisle to target. You know, if you're going high end, like look at Clinique, look at La Roche-Posay, look at Vichy, look at CeraVe, look at Curel, look at Hadalabo. Like there are interesting products there. And I totally get why you'd want to go to high end for a bit of makeup or a bit of fragrance. But bear in mind that they are indulgences. Think of those skincare products companies as being your fruit and veg. They're the basis of good skin health, and they needn't cost a lot of money. They really, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be using Diprobase and e45 if you've got dry body skin you know and then save your money and buy a really lovely high-end chanel and dior fragrance because nobody can imitate great high-end fragrances
2: (laughs) (laughs) no i love that advice yeah have you got some youtube videos that people can go to to get these brands like get them written down because obviously they're listening now they might be on their walk um so if they head to your youtube channel
1: i think the secret is when you go onto youtube you'll look at You'll, go, you'll find my channel and you might think, oh my God, like there's so many videos, but go to the playlist button at the top and tap the playlist button. And I've broken it down into skincare, hair care, makeup, body care, aesthetic treatments, all that sort of stuff, perfume, all that sort of stuff. But I think for me, my most engaged videos are the budget ones. Mm. And by budget, I always say what's available on the high street. So I go best budget retinols. And I do it on Instagram as well. I do IGTVs, best budget retinols, best budget hyaluronic acids, best budget, budget lip products, best budget mascaras. And by budget, I mean the ones that essentially are available from the high street, like Boots and Superdrug. And I think those products are genuinely better than they've ever been. So in this miasma of too many products there has still been a growth in great skincare
2: amazing and I do genuinely believe everyone is entitled to be able to access good skincare because it makes you feel good you know your skin feels good so I'm just so glad that you've said that because I don't I don't have the knowledge that you have and um, I do you I've used a lot of those brands you've mentioned that you can get in boots and super and I do love them but um, it's reassuring to hear that they do work. Um, I know that I'm I'm not just making it up when I advertise them to people. I you know, and I feel them on my skin, and I'm like, these are really good, and they're affordable. Is that possible? But I'm just glad that you've said it is. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. The 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 most important thing you can do. I always say, never buy a product, a beauty product, if you can't pay off your credit card at the end of the month. Like it's so important that you do not get into debt for beauty products because then the ultimate product is going to be uh, the ultimate result is going to be you're going to be stressed. You can't afford it. Your skin will break out. You will feel miserable. You'll resent that product. And also at the end of the day, you'll realize that that 250 pound whatever cream it didn't fix any problems anyway. So look on the high street. Don't be ashamed to go shopping in in the local pharmacy, your boots, superdrug drug, there are great products out there, they really genuinely work. And that they're, they, they tell it like it is on the packaging, you know, they're not trying to sell you the dream, they're trying to sell you a practical guide to solving your skin problems. And if at the end of using it for three months, it hasn't solved your eczema, psoriasis, dry skin, acne, breakouts, then go and speak to an expert, go and speak to somebody who's better qualified than me, go and speak to a doctor, a dermatologist, and ask for advice. Because the other thing that's happened in lockdown is there's been this increasing growth in online consultations with dermatologists and and so you can get access via a computer now to companies like Skin and Me and Dermatica and things like that. So a lot's happened in the pandemic, but I think online beauty consultations, and that's not just for skin problems, like Space NK have online skincare consultations, Charlotte Tilbury does online makeup consultations, all that sort of stuff. Access those experts, they're sitting at home waiting to talk to you, they really are. And, And yeah, just don't be afraid to ask for help and the help. And the other thing about social media is you can genuinely slide into people like my DMs and say, help. Here's a picture back to what he said at the beginning. Here's a
2: picture of my spots and rash. What can I do? I'm there to help. That's what I'm there for. Amazing. Thank you so much. Just to finish it off, I asked all my guests the same question. We haven't actually talked a lot about your private life and you don't show a lot of that on um, your social media channels. You've mentioned that. But I just wanted to know what piece of advice would you have given younger you? Don't sweat
1: the small stuff. And it's hard now in lockdown because I think the way we put our lives into perspective is to to empathise with other people, to get out, to see your friends. No matter how bad whatever you think you're going through in your life is, A, it's important to put it in perspective and realise that there are other people who have it worse than you. So I think I'm fundamentally a half-glass-full person. But also, don't sweat the small stuff beauty-wise. Nobody's looking at the spot on the end of your nose. They're too busy worrying about their own spots. Nobody's looking at the errant hair on your chin that you keep playing with when you're my age because... They're too busy worrying about the fact that they haven't dyed their roots or they've got split ends or they've put on a few pounds. And speak to yourself the way you'd speak to your best friend. So next time you look in the mirror for whatever reason, Connie, and you go, oh, God, I'm having such an ugly day. Remember that Nadine Baggett told you you have the hair of dreams and the (laughs) perfect skin. Because I think if we just learned to speak to ourselves the way we speak to other people, we'd be kinder to ourselves. And it's only in reflection of being 58 that I realized how completely bloody gorgeous I was at 28. And you don't appreciate how gorgeous you are because you're remembering a time when you were maybe different. or But you will only appreciate on reflection that at this moment you are the youngest and the most gorgeous version of yourself that you probably will ever be. And I think also I've had people say to me when they're older, you know, I might, I, for example, I work in an industry where I'm surrounded by a lot of young people. So I often make a joke about being the oldest person in the room. And then I go around and hang around with some of my friends who are really successful brand founders who are in their 60s and are now retired. And they say, I'm at my peak. I'm the youngest. I'm where I should be. I'm at that perfect place where I'm successful and you know I don't have any more debts because I'm older and and you know and and I've got perspective and and yes okay I might not be as young and firm as I was when I was 28 but I've got all this wisdom so I think stand outside of yourself and be less if you can slightly less self-critical and self-obsessed and put things into perspective that was a very long answer sorry Connie <laughs> it's a big question though
2: no it is and um you are my old, el- el- oldest eldest, oldest um guest so far and I think hearing that from you is like so valuable so thank you and you are gorgeous oh, thank you so much I'm but that said I do look at my Instagram
1: page and look at Macy Macy's face oh. and you almost want to go in and pinch that little cheek and go now that, if you could market that in a cream, I'd I know, buy that cream. I that know.
2: pinchable face. I know, I know she's <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been amazing. I've My pleasure, so Connie. Much. Thank you.
0: Hold up.